If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. Uh, the, the passage that Lori just read much more eloquently than I can. Um, I was sitting at my dining room table, at my dining room table, on Thursday morning. And I kind of already shaped the outline and uh, kind of figured out how to, I was trying to figure out how to start the message, right? I already had the outline and kind of mapped out where I was going with the sermon. Uh, but I, I just had no idea how to get this thing like off the runway. You know what I mean? Like I'm just kind of like, I don't know where to start. And so uh, I pulled up the Google machine and I just typed in the word anxiety, All right? Just typed it in. And in... Uh, thanks to the fiber optic cable through Brandenburg Telecommunications, uh, in about 0.79 seconds, according to Google, it came up with, let me make sure I get this number right, 1,480,000,000,000 results in 0.79 seconds. Like instant access to 1.5 trillion results. Full disclosure, I had to look up, like, how do I read this number? Because, like, I'm not used to seeing numbers that big. My specialty is in words, not numbers. And so my next Google search is, what is 1480000000, right? But 1.5 trillion results on anxiety. Right? So since you can always believe what you read on the Internet, I'm inclined to believe that was a joke, okay? I'm inclined to believe that uh, this is a big deal, right? These feelings of being anxious, of worry, of anxiety. But I know that not just from a Google search. I know that from, from relationships that I have with people, conversations that I have, right? Anxiety or, or these feelings of being anxious, like they're, it's a big deal, um, but, but more important than that, I know it's important, I know it's a big deal, I know it's significant because the Bible has some things to say about being anxious. All right, so that's, that's what we're looking at this morning in Matthew chapter 6. Um, since Lori did read it, I'm, I'm not going to read the whole thing again, um, but l- let me give you this, kind of the synopsis of the whole passage, right? Right out of the gate. It's this, do not be anxious. All right, that's the, the passage you just read, verses 25 through 34, Matthew chapter 6. It says it three times in the very beginning. Therefore, do not be anxious. Smack dab in the middle of the passage. Therefore, do not be anxious. And then Jesus concludes the passage with, therefore, do not be anxious. All right, so if you don't hear anything else this morning, Jesus' word to us is, is do not be anxious. That's easier said than done, right? So... Uh, To to give you some context of what's going on here with Jesus' words, um, anytime you see the word therefore, the passage begins with therefore do not be anxious. Right? We we talked about this before, but when you see the word therefore, that should be like a cue to like, I need to press rewind and see what's already been said. Because what's already been said is going to uh, link to what's about to be said. Right? And so if you back up in verses 19 through 24, Jesus uh, spends some time talking about um, investing, what, investing in what is spiritual and eternal over that which is physical and temporary. Right? He says things like, you should lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. 
right? where, where moth and rust, like they, they can't destroy there. Right? Don't, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth here, physical, temporary, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. And then he goes on and uh, he talks about how kingdom-centered living is, is about submitting to and, and serving God rather than submitting to and, and serving this sort of incessant uh, accumulation of material things. You cannot serve both God and money, is what Jesus says. Or, or some translations say mammon, which is just the, the Greek word that has to do with material things. Like you, you can't serve both of those things at the same time. And so in the context, Jesus is saying, hey, you can serve God or you can serve money, but you can't serve both. He, he's creating a, a distinct difference between these two, two things. And that's the context in which Jesus says in verse 25, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Right, so Jesus, in context, is is commanding his followers um, not to be anxious about these temporary things. He uses, right, he uses the examples of food and drink and, and clothing. But, but he's, again, coming on the heels of this idea of, of, of laying our, uh, up for ourselves treasures in heaven, not treasures on this earth. The context that Jesus is speaking into here has to do with the, the anxiety, right, anxious thoughts that come from when we focus on and dwell on things that are temporary and uh, physical and fleeting. In fact, here's, here's my sort of scripture-informed hypothesis for you this morning. All right, and I'm going to read it so I'll make sure I, I get it right. All right. The areas of your life, the areas of my life, where we are most likely to be anxious are the areas where we tend to obsess and stress over the temporary rather than the eternal, right? The, the places in your life where you're most prone, I'm not saying that's the only place you're going to experience anxiety, but the places where you're most prone to sort of feel like the, the weight of an anxious heart, the places where you're most likely to feel that is when you begin to prioritize and elevate temporary physical things over spiritual eternal things, right? And so real fast, I do want to interject something uh, this is kind of a, a side note, but I think it's important to say. Um, so I am not a doctor, at least not the kind you should ever take medical advice from, okay? Um, I know, like, COVID pandemic, there was a lot of medical professionals, apparently, on Facebook. I'm just saying I'm not one of them. Was that too soon? It was a little, it was a little soon, all right. Um, we don't have time for like a lengthy discussion on, on the full complexities and nuances of, of anxiety, right? That, that's my concession on the front side. This is a very limited conversation we're going to have this morning. Uh, but, but I do want to point out, because of the, the context here, I, I do think there's a difference between the kind of anxiety or anxious thoughts that Jesus is talking about here and then what we might call sort of clinical or, or diagnosed anxiety. Like I'm, I'm inclined to believe that that what Jesus is talking about here is those are not exactly the same thing, right? The anxiety that Jesus talks about here is 
this anxiety that's rooted in an obsession with uh, the, the, the temporary and the material that, that leads to a lack of trust in God's good providence and provision. Right? That's ultimately what Jesus is writing about here. It's, it's a lack of, of trust. And I think, uh, again, just in, in humility, my understanding is when we're talking about clinical anxiety, diagnosed anxiety, uh, that, that that is often rooted in uh, things that are just outside of your control, like biological things, like chemical imbalances, right? Or, or maybe it's trauma that happened to you sometime in, in your life that, that leads to these feelings, right? Now, now I'm not in any way saying that, that the Lord can't move and work and heal in in either of these cases, right? He's, he's God. He can do what he wants, right? So I'm not, I'm not in any way saying that, that God can't, can't work uh, and restore these, these sort of clinical or diagnosed anxieties, right? He, he, he can, he does, we should, and we should plead and ask him to do that if that's your story, right? But my point in, is making... This, I just want you to see, we're not having a full discussion on anxiety this morning. We're just talking about what Jesus is saying here in the Sermon on the Mount, and it's specifically related to right, the, the anxiety, the anxious thoughts that come from obsessing over the fleeting, the temporary, the physical, rather than looking to that which is eternal and lasting. All right, so I kind of spent more time here than I wanted to. Let me, let me say this, and then we'll move on. If you are here, right, and, and, and this clinical, diagnosed anxiety is something you experience, I want you to hear this. I am thrilled that you are here. I think the people in this room are glad that you are here. And more importantly than that, Jesus is glad that you're here. Right? Some of the most godly, spirit-filled, uh, Jesus-loving people I know take their medications Go to therapy and counseling, worship the Lord on Sundays and all throughout the week, and all the while they pray and plead and ask that the Lord would, would transform their anxious hearts. All right, so, so if that's your story, I'm glad you're here. All right, now, let me jump back in the lane that I'm a lot more comfortable in. All right? Um, back to the command do not be anxious. All right? It's one thing to be told, hey, don't be anxious. It's another thing to actually not be anxious, right? And so I think Jesus knows that because in the, the following few verses, he, he gives us some steps to take, right? He doesn't just say, hey, don't be anxious, and then moves on to something else. Right? It's, like, it's almost like Jesus knows what's going on in our hearts. Imagine that, right? And so this is what he says, starting in verse 26. He kind of gives us some object lessons. He says, look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive 
which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O, little, o you of little faith? Right, so, so Jesus gives two, two examples here. All right, I, 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 this is conjecture, but I, it's almost as if Jesus is like there preaching on the, the mountain and he just sees some birds flying around and he uh, sees some lilies or flowers. He's like, here we go. I've got an object lesson for these people. Right, he says, first, consider the, the, the birds of the air. Look at the birds of the air. Right, they, they, don't, they don't plan, prepare for their next meal. Right? They're not, uh, in, in our home, we like click lists. I don't know if you guys have used click lists or not. These birds, like, they're trying to figure out their meal for the week. They're not sitting there on Sunday night, like, I'll make sure I got everything I need. Right? They just exist. Right? They contribute nothing to their sustenance, and yet, God feeds them. Right? And then he says, Look to the lilies, right? Consider the lilies is what he says. And I love the word consider. It's, it's different than look, look to. It's, it's think about, dwell on, meditate on, right? Consider the lilies of the field. They're plants. Like plants are dependent on like a whole, ver- I'm, I'm not a farmer. I'm not a green thumb. Like I, I'm all for like plastic plants in the corner, okay? But, but I do know that plants are, are so dependent on like a, a variety of environmental factors. And you know, right amount of sunlight, right amount of water, right amount of whatever else plants need, because again, I'm more for the fake variety. All right, they're, they're dependent. And, and yet, what Jesus is saying your heavenly Father clothes them. Right? They're not productive. They just exist. And yet your heavenly Father clothes them. Not only clothes them, he says he lavishes them in the kind of, of beauty that can be breathtaking. Right? The kind of beauty that, that Solomon and all his extravagant wealth, like, like he couldn't clothe himself the way that God clothes the flowers. Now, what's the point behind the birds and the flowers? Right? It, it's this. I don't, I don't want you to miss this. At the end of the day, birds and flowers are creature and creation. They're creature and creation, and, and yet God cares for them. And I think about Think about a bird. I looked this up because I don't know these things off the top of my head. I have a lot of useless knowledge, but this was not some of it. You know what the lifespan of like a common blackbird is? It's like between two and three years. And yet God sees that, that common bird. He's like, I'm going to feed. I'm going to supply. I'm going to sustain. Right? Or, or think about plants, flowers. Right? At at best, they're seasonal, right? Even worse when you like chop them off and then put them in a vase, right? They, they, even more temporary. Which, side note, have you ever thought about the fact that the way we show our loves to other people is we give them a bundle of things that they will watch die slowly over the next two weeks? <laughs> have you ever considered that? 
That's a whole new meaning to consider the lilies of the field, right? This is my love for you. Watch it die. Okay? You should buy your wife flowers if she likes flowers. But, okay. Um, back to the point at hand. At the end of the day, birds and flowers, creature creation. If God cares that much for creature and creation, if your heavenly Father cares that much for creature and creation, how much more will he care for you as his child? That's what Jesus is, is pointing out here. And so look at verse 31. Therefore, right, there's the word therefore again, so back to what Jesus was just saying. Therefore, in light of God's care, in light of your heavenly Father's care for his children, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. According to Jesus. It's going to be one of those days. According to Jesus. He references the Gentiles here. In context, Gentiles were those that, that did not know God. They did not worship God. They had no knowledge of uh, they have no relationship with him, no knowledge of his fatherly care for them. And, and Jesus says, man, it's the Gentiles that worry about these things. You, you, child of God, you don't need to worry about these things. Right? You have a heavenly father that is omniscient, all-knowing. He knows what you need. Right? You have a father that is uh, sovereign and, and omnipotent. He actually has the power and capacity to to meet your needs. He spoke creation into existence. I think he's got you covered. Right? That's Jesus saying, hey, look to that, your heavenly father. Right? He has the, the power and capacity to take care of you. So child of God, why would you ever need to be anxious? Why would you ever need to worry or fear? Your heavenly father cares for you. Now, I do think it's important to point out that these promises that Jesus is talking about here, they are not for everyone. Like the record scratched, right? It's a little provocative. Because I want you to remember the context. Context is key. Jesus is the Sermon on the Mount directed towards his disciples. These are those that had surrendered their lives like submitted their lives to following Jesus. And so the promises that he's giving them in the Sermon on the Mount, this is for those who, uh, as John says in his gospel, in the first chapter of his gospel, those that had received Jesus, had believed in his name, and through their belief, God gave them the right to become the children of God. So these promises that Jesus is giving to the audience here and to us today is for those that have surrendered and submitted their life to the Lord, children of God. Right? Jesus is highlighting the, the, the Heavenly Father's care for His children. Right? And, and, and if you've never repented of your sin, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, you are not yet a child of God. 
And because of that, these promises are like you can't confidently like rest in these or lay claim to these. But the good news of the gospel is that you can become a child of God. Right? And it's not, it's, we say this all the time, it's not by being better, it's not by working hard, right? it's, it's not by uh, because your grandpa was a deacon, it's not any of those things. Right? It's through repentance of sin and faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Right? You, you can become a child of God. You can lay claim on these promises if you would surrender and submit your life to him. If you'd like to do that this morning, I, I would love to have that conversation with you sometime towards the end of the service, maybe during the invitation, maybe out in the lobby after we leave. I would love to have that conversation with you. All right? Let's jump back to, to the text, though. So not only, does, not only does Jesus call his followers to look around and, and consider God's care for them, but he also calls them to, to look beyond and to consider God's kingdom. Look at verse 33. Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This gets back to what I said earlier, that the areas of your life, of my life, where we are most prone, where we are most prone to experience anxiety is when we elevate the, the temporary, the physical over the spiritual and the eternal. And so Jesus is, is simply but profoundly just telling us to reprioritize here. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Right? That is to say, uh, we, we are to be first and foremost before anything else we are to be first and foremost consumed, right, consumed with God's rule and reign in every nook and cranny of our lives. Right, so that, that every nook and cranny of our lives, every area of our lives is submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying here. And then beyond that, our desire first and foremost should be to see God's rule and reign extended to the corners of the earth. That's where Jesus is redirecting our, our priorities. All right, we see that. You don't have to turn back, but even in the Lord's Prayer, you jump back a few verses when Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. Right? He, he teaches them, uh, he, he says this, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he's teaches them how to pray, and he starts with these, these eternal like, priorities, that God's kingdom would come, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's after that that then he says, give us this day our daily bread. Right? Even in Jesus teaching his disciples to pray, it's a, it's a prioritizing of the eternal over the temporary. Right, so, with that in mind, look one more time back at verse 34. This is how Jesus ends this section. Therefore, so because of God's care for his children, because of, of God's kingdom 
Right? Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So, how do you actually become less anxious? Right, this is like we said earlier, and you know this to be true, right? It's, it's, it's one thing to be told, do not be anxious. It's another thing entirely to say, or to actually not be anxious. Right? It's, it's not a flip, or flip, that's not a flip, that's a switch. It's not a switch that you flip. So what do we do with that? Right, well, as we, we wind down this morning, let me, let me encourage you if, you, if you've got a Bible, to turn to 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5. I love this passage because it is, again, context is king, right? It's written to a group of real believers that existed at a real point in time that experienced real struggles and tensions uh, and sufferings and anxieties. All right, this is not just some like ethereal letter that Peter writes. It's written to a specific group of people. And here's what Peter writes, first chapter five, first goodness, first Peter five, verse six. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. And then look at verse seven. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. According to Peter, who, by the way, was there for the Sermon on the Mount. Right? He's heard Jesus say a thing or two about anxiety. According to Peter, writing to real people at a real point in time who had real tensions, struggles, anxieties, he says, hey, you don't have to pretend you're not anxious. You don't have to grab the the self-help book that coaches you on how to just not think anxious thoughts. You don't have to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. No, he says, actually, you, you acknowledge your anxieties. Right? You identify them for what they are, and then you cast them or lay them down before the Lord. Right? You, you, Listen, if you're here this morning and you're like, you feel the anxious thoughts over any number of things, but particularly about like stress and worry over these temporary physical things. The invitation to you this morning is not that you've got to just pretend like you're not anxious. That, that doesn't fix anything. Right? The invitation to you is the same as it was to Peter, or Peter gave to his audience to, to take these anxieties acknowledge them, and then just bring them with an open hand and lay them before the Lord and say, God, I'm, I'm anxious here. I need you to do something. I need you to work. I need you to provide. I need you to increase my trust. I need you to, right, whatever the need is, you, you bring it and you, you cast it on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. And he's inviting you to lay those things before him. And so here's, here's the invitation this morning. Right, in just a minute, I'm going to pray. The band's going to come up. They're going to lead us.
uh, in a song of response. It's just, the, the song is just that we can come as we are. So if you're here this morning, you're like, I've got some anxieties. Great. You are in a wonderful place. Right? The, the invitation, come as you are. But here's what I invite you to do. I just want to invite you, encourage you to, to, to take a step towards casting your anxieties on your heavenly Father this morning. Right? Whatever you're anxious about. Maybe it's putting food on the table. Right? Maybe it's making your rent, mortgage payment this month. Maybe it's your kids are outgrowing clothes faster than you can keep up with them. I say that from personal experience. Right? Or maybe it's the bottom line on your bank account. Maybe it's, it's you see what's going on in the world and you're watching your retirement. You get that quarterly retirement savings you know, report and it's like, good night, what happened? Right? Or, or maybe it's not even necessarily material things, that Jesus was talking about material things, but maybe your anxieties are not even material things. Maybe it's family or, or relationship tensions, your marriage, your, if you've got something going on between you and a, and a kid, and you're just like, we are button heads. It's driving me crazy. I don't know what to do with them. Right? Maybe it's, it's things at, at work, like you're already anxious right now thinking about going to work tomorrow. Right? It, it could be any, any number of medical things, right? Maybe you're waiting on test results, and so you just got an anxious heart about that. Right? Whatever your anxieties are, whatever it is that, that keeps you awake at night, whatever it is that you wake up and you just begin thinking about it, and it consumes you throughout the day, would you just acknowledge it, identify it, lay it before your heavenly Father this morning? And then I would, if you want to get real crazy, maybe you would even be so bold as to just come to the altar and just lay it here. Not because there's anything magical about these 24 inches at the front of the stage. All right, but but because I, I do think there's something powerful and significant in, in the symbolism of actually like putting some movement to our decisions, like putting some feet to our faith to come before an altar and just say, Lord, I'm laying this down. I, I don't want to hold on to this anymore. I don't want to be weighed down by this anymore. Kind of lay it before you and ask that you would, you would prove your care for me, that you would that you would enhance my ability to trust that you actually will care for me? Right? To take a tangible step and just say, like, I want to surrender this to you, Lord. All right, maybe you would do that this morning. So I'm going to invite you to go ahead and stand with me, if you would. I'm going to pray for us. The band's going to come and, and lead us in a song. Uh, but the invitation to you is just to lay your anxieties, to, to cast them, to throw them off, that's what Peter says, onto, onto your heavenly Father. All right, so let me pray and then uh, just invite you, encourage you to respond as the Spirit leads, all right? Father, we come to you this morning. Uh, Lord, we confess just corporately together. Um, I, I don't think there's a person in here that would say they have zero anxieties about anything. 
Maybe this morning they're fine. But as they think about the, the weeks to come or maybe think about some things that happened in the past, like there's just some anxious things that, that sort of roll up in our hearts. So I, I pray this morning, Lord, that as we respond, I pray first and foremost that your spirit would, would move us to respond and, and prompt us. I, um, Lord, Lord, apart from the work of your spirit, I just gave a, a talk. But Lord, if hearts are going to be cha- changed and transformed, it has to be you that's going to do it. And so I pray that you would. I pray that you would begin to reveal those places in our hearts where we're anxious, where we worry, where we fear, where we doubt. I pray that you would, uh, Lord, increase our faith, increase our belief that, that you are a a good, gracious, heavenly Father who will take care of, provide for, sustain His children. Lord, help us to believe that whatever comes our way or whatever our experience is, it it came through Your providential hand. Lord, nothing, nothing comes to us apart from You allowing it to come to us. Yes, Lord, I pray that You would help us to to and to receive that this morning. But Lord, help us to lay these things before you, to trust you with them. I pray that you would work and move in our hearts, in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.